Blog Talk Radio. Had a little technical difficulty there, but hey guys, this is the Baseball Brothers Podcast, and this is your host Sam, and uh, we also have Chris on the line there. Can you hear me, Chris? I can hear you, my friend. Sweet. Well, I appreciate you joining us on here again, and uh, he might be on here later today, and our other host, Cole, not sure if he'll he'll hop on, but I plan on... uh, They'll be on plenty of episodes, but Chris has graciously offered to be back on here at my request, and I always appreciate that, man. So yeah, I like, I like your here. intro, Sam. I was in baseball stuff. again. Um, it's been another busy week, and uh, I'd say clearly the biggest move was the Red Sox and Hembry avoiding arbitration. <laughs> right? That's the biggest one. Two hundred, two hundred percent agree. Mostly because it just has to do with the Red Sox. <laughs> and that's your favorite but no, team, I, so absolutely. Well, no, but I thought it was a good a good segue though realistically though into talking about sal- salary arbitration um and you know making sure everybody kind of understands what that is because if you're not familiar with the Major League Baseball uh collective bargaining agreement, it's kind of one of those mm-hmm. things that you hear the news and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like, oh, "Okay, cool." Um but, you know, if you ask somebody, so do you understand what arbitration is, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people actually do know. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Sam, do you know what arbitration is? That's a good question. So I probably don't get it in the full detail, but really what it is is I think when you're drafted by a major league team, when you get called up, you have six-year, like a six-year window where a team basically controls you, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but you can kind of negotiate your contract in a way. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So what happens is the first three years of the deal are just, you know, escalating pay raises over the prior year. Um, and, and those are set in stone by the CBA, but you're right in years three through six, um, you get to go to arbitration, which is where you're, you're not under contract, um, but no, you can't like sign with another team. And then what most players end up doing is they agree upon what their salary is um, going into the season. And arbitration is just a process of act, if the team and the player can't decide, they go to in front of a third-party arbiter. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time what happens is based on production and then years of service, like these, like there's so many websites and different things out there now that can like really predict what the market value is of arbitration yeah. player. Um, 
and and so honestly, most of the time it's set in stone. If they're fighting about it, it's usually only over, you know, thousands of dollars or you know maybe a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But most of the time, you know, years three through six, there's not a lot of debate. Um, but yeah, technically the player can argue um, and and negotiate to earn a different salary or, or different things in their contract for years three through six, and um, and they're only going to play for that team. Um, and, and they will, like I said, at some point they go to see a third party. So there are, there's always resolution to it at the end. Now you can sign right. an extension. Um, we've seen that as well where, like, maybe, you know, it's a really good player, so they'll just sign him to, like, a three-year, two- or three-year extension so they don't have to do arbitration in the future. Um, some players mm-hmm. will – sometimes teams want to do that. Um, and they can even extend a player beyond that time. Like the Red Sox, for instance, would love to sign Mookie Betts through his arbitration years into his years of free agency, but he's kind right. of using it as leverage to say, no, I'm going to go through arbitration every year because he wants to get paid a max contract. Um, and, and that's another thing important to point out about arbitration is mm-hmm. you're not making as much money as you would as a free agent. Um it, you will make less money each every each one of those years. Uh, so an example of, like I said, Mookie Betts is, you know, he's going to maximize whatever he can get in arbitration each year, but he's not signing an extension with the team for the long term because he wants to get a max free agent salary, and he can't right. do that until he becomes a free agent, an actual free agent. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, – and, and it, the reason why I wanted to walk through this, too, is it has a big impact on deals this time of year, which would lead us to um, the Dodgers trade today. Uh, Sam, do you want to kind of recap that trade for us? Yeah, absolutely. So from what I – the research and the tweets that I saw, so basically the Dodgers and Reds, really, if it really breaks down, they pretty much swapped some higher – overpaid some good players but overpaid players – to kind of help each other out. Because if you look at the Dodgers, they contend just about every year. And really, Cincinnati has not contended for multiple years, and they keep getting new managers. So they're trying to just get some people in the seats, get some names, but also they're trying to build up their team. Dodgers are you're moving contracts. So basically Matt Kemp, who's been a Dodger twice, Puig, controversial but talented player, and Alex Wood, who's a pretty decent pitcher, they're all going to Cincinnati for also with Kyle Farmer, one of their infielders, for Homer Bailey, who's a, a kind of a bad contract. He's okay, but the Dodgers are probably going to eat that. And then they're sending two prospects, Josiah Gray and infielder Jeter Down. So, I mean, Chris, you can have your thoughts, but it sounds like it's really they're, what it boils down to is they're swapping some bad contracts. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And they're going to cut, so the Dodgers are going to cut Homer Bailey. Um, he was really just, you know, a throw-in um, to make the salary a little more um, obtainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, this is about dumping Matt Kemp, um, who, you know, who has a bat, but, in, you know, doesn't have a lot of – honestly, if you ask me, he doesn't have a National League use. Um, he just can't play the field anymore. And, and he's had a great career. It's just, you know – at his age and of the injury history, um, he's just he's just not there as a good outfielder. Uh, and then you have, you know, Puig, who, as you said, you know, probably a little overrated. Um, but you know, these guys are, you know, he's uh, he and Wood are arbitration eligible. 
and they're going into the final year of arbitration. So if I remember correctly, I think I saw that each of them is making about somewhere between 10 and 12 million this year. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, the Dodgers are hitting the luxury tax and it's because they have these young players who are hitting arbitration. So, so one way the Dodgers have been so good is they've brought along a lot of their young players but every year those young players get more and more costly. Um, and, yeah. and so what's happening is you have Wood who, and Puig who are now going to, to become the most expensive that they are through arbitration. And, and there's certainly some argument um, that they could be replaced, especially on a Dodger team who, hey, if they're going to the luxury tax, there's probably better ways for them to spend uh, you yeah. know, $20 to $24 million. Um and and for instance, uh, Bryce Harper uh, is, is a name out there that uh, you know could really like LA. And so you know, there's there's probably better ways that they could just use those financial resources if they're going in the luxury tax. If not, this just helps them get closer to being out of the luxury tax. Um, but you know, right. you, they still have more guys. They have you know, Bellinger is going to be under the you know arbitration and. And Seeger and and several other players that are just coming up and every year getting more expensive and so this is just things that a team in the Dodgers situation has to do um, and like you said you know the Reds the Reds showed something last year um, in in terms of salary you know because they're for for their sake I think that they're making a decent move um, you know it does put butts in the seat uh, like you said which is good. Um, it does trade some prospects, but probably not like, you know, future stars or any, you know, it's something crazy right. like that. And, you, you know, they get, like you said, they get off Homer Bailey. I mean, you know, just to, to show more and to, you know, you don't forget these guys could be trade chips. If Puig and, or Kemp, honestly, or Wood, just one of them turns in a decent year and they flip them for better pieces later on. That's right. a, that's a win, you know. That's definitely a win. Or cool. maybe, I mean, I I doubt it. But every year, you know, there's a team or two that surprises and is better than expected. I mean, what if that's the Reds? Yeah, and that's three more quality players to be on their 25 man roster than they had yesterday. So, I mean, they'll be a little more competitive, a little more. It'll definitely be exciting having Puig on your team. Um, you never know what he's going to say. So. Uh, that alone is interesting. So it'll be interesting to see if the Reds uh, keep changing their team around. So I guess we'll see what happens. But um, some other news, Manny Manny Machado at least visited the Phillies, Yankees. Did he visit another team too? I think he visited another team, but he's getting his visits out there. So Manny's trying to get his dealers out there for who wants them. There's been like literally no news on Harper right now. So think they're kind of waiting for each other to figure out what they're going to do but um should we talk about some of these other signings might as well um yeah Carlos got Andrew Miller what do you think about that I know he's 34 as a Cubs fan I'm not a fan but as a Cardinal for a Cardinals fan that's a good move at least initially but does he have anything left I don't know yeah I think the deal says a lot right it's it's only a two-year deal with a third-year vesting option um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it, it, it's interesting because teams for a long time had always thought, you know, relievers were 
not worth paying. I, and I don't mean that to say, you know, it's just there's so many good ones, yeah. so many pop up any single year and are so dominant and then they're never good again. Or, you know, there, there's a rare few that are good for a long time. And, and Miller is, you know, if he's the old Andrew Miller, certainly worth mm-hmm. it. I definitely think he's, he's worth signing and looking into. If your expectations are he is, you know, the prime Andrew Miller. So I, I don't, I don't know if I would, I, I would not feel comfortable with that. Um, so I, I think it's a good move. I, I certainly would never knock somebody yeah. for, for a deal like that. Um, but it's it certainly, it's it certainly not something I feel like is a giant, is a giant needle mover. Um, something yeah. that's going to propel, you know, your team. I mean, the Cardinals, the Cardinals have a lot more issues than, you know, a, a reliever. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that they have yep. other pieces that they really need to, that, to continue to focus on. Um, so Miller could definitely be a key piece. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, it's just not a needle mover for me. Um, it, it's not bad. Yeah. I think the, the deal I'm actually most excited about from a free agent perspective was Daniel Murphy to Colorado. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. that, that could really be that. That first was really interesting to me. Um, man, Colorado has just been going after big bats the last few years, and that is a that's a powerful lineup right now. Oh my goodness, it is. Yeah, and and Murphy, I think that's a good fit for him in Colorado. Um, he's not really good at defense, really wasn't ever, but definitely isn't now. And he can play first base there, which a lot of teams just don't have openings at first or second. So I feel like it's a good landing spot. I liked him on the Cubs and loved him on the Nationals, but it's a good fit for that team and that ballpark. Yeah, definitely. And and it gives him a little flexibility. Like you said, not a great, not a great second baseman by any means. Um, but, you know, second base is probably the position you can suffer with having the the least amount of talent at and on your infield, but he mm-hmm. gives them that flexibility to play first and second, which is hard to find. Um, and, you know, whether somebody gets hurt or whether, you know, it just gives them some roster flexibility. Um, I, I, I just really like that roster right now because, you know, right now Daniel Murphy projects at first base, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a lot to like here. I really like David Dahl coming back. Ian Desmond probably moves to the outfield full-time instead of playing first mm-hmm. base, which is probably a better move. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's a that's a one through six lineup right there. Of, you know, Blackman, Murphy, Arenado, Dahl, Story, Desmond. I mean, that is – that's a lot of power. That's just terrifying. And it's, it's three – that top six is three lefties, three righties. I mean, how do you – you, really you, good just, point. you just don't want to face you just don't want to face those guys. Um, no. You know the bench is is pretty weak, but I mean every team has strengths and weaknesses, right? But you know the starting rotation started to come around last year, and that uh, mm-hmm. they've really invested a lot in the bullpen over the last several years. So that's that's a pretty that's a pretty sneaky scary bullpen too. I, I really think yeah. that this is uh, this is a team that with this signing is really going to help themselves. I, I, at first I was like, Oh man, DJ LeMay, who's moving on. But, mm-hmm. and now the more I think about it, the more I, I feel like this could really be a, a plus move 
for Colorado, at least for the next year or two. Yeah, no, exactly. And they've been building upon success. They've been good the last couple of years. So they'll definitely be a team to watch for. And I think they can contend in that division. Uh, let's see some other moves. Let's see what's worth talking about. Um, do you have any on the top of your head? I see a couple of small ones I can touch on. Yeah. Well, um, the athletics acquired jerks and profile today. Um, yeah. A deal that I was somewhat surprised on um, in the sense of, you know, profile really showed last year. Uh, I, I really, I really liked profile coming up. I really thought he was going to be great. Um, you know, he's really, really struggled. He had some injuries and he just didn't play well, but he really came around last year and uh, that A's infield now is very interesting. So Jed Lowry, who was one of the best players in the American League last year, um, former Red Sox, by the way, uh, Jed Lowry. Yep. And uh, um, just just a, a player that I really have always enjoyed. I felt like he was under the radar. Um, but now, you know, Oakland's infield's full because Profar is probably going to play second. You have Matt Chapman at third. Uh, all-star Matt Chapman, by the way, Marcus Sibian, yep. solid. Matt Olson at first, very solid player as well. Um, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> it, it, you know, it brings the end of one area, but you bring a guy in who, you know, has always had some top talent. And, and even if he's just a guy who was last year, I mean, that was that was really, really great. His on-base percentage was 335, which is above the average. Um, you know, he hit 20 homers. 35 doubles, six triples, and he had 10 stolen bases. I mean, that's – and he played 146 games last year, which is super important. Has experience in the outfield. Um, really, really a sneaky deal because I think – Yeah, through, I really like that move. I went through the rest of the t- the trade, and, you know, it's, it's just one of these things that there's a lot of other guys in these fields, three-team trade, but um, it's just not – not there's no other players of consequence here, um, so no. kind of interesting that this is really all that um, this is really all that Texas got out of it. I mean Burke, uh, we could talk about him really quick. He's kind of the headliner of the deal for the Rangers. Uh, he was a third yep. round pick in 2014, and he was a former minor league pitcher of the year for this for the Rays. Um, you know they protected him. You know he could he could really turn into something, I guess. Um, and, and I guess it does make sense for the Rangers. They, they're in this weird limbo, right? Where ones, they're kind of like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like Seattle, but you know, kind of like the angels in Seattle, like that whole AL West, like, man, there are good players on every team, but none of these teams are strong enough over the last couple of seasons to really compete. Um, they're very fragile and that's kind of been the Rangers the last few years. Very fragile. Yep. Um, not really in it, and you know, I, I think that this is a deal that's looking more toward the future. Um, Profar, once again, arbitration player. He's going to his arbitration years. If he plays well, you know, the Rangers are already paying a lot of guys. Um, you know, Andrews is making big money. They're paying. I'm pretty sure they're paying Odor. Um, you know, they've got a, a young outfield with some guys. You know, and. Um, it's one of those things where there just wasn't room for Profar and he wasn't showing enough, but I am, I guess I'm surprised. <laughs> I guess we're usually thinking, you know, they're going to move for more major league ready assets, but they didn't really do that mm-hmm. here. 
Nope, they didn't. And I think the Rangers kind of just like signing older veterans. It seems like, which can be fine, but it'd be different if they had the young guys to go with it. Like they they re-signed Lance Lynn, who's okay. They've been rumored to get Holland back again. Um, they Rangers just it makes you just think. I don't really know if they know what direction they're going. So it's either fully rebuild or contend, and they're kind of in between both. Yeah, yeah, they've always been a team. <clears throat> they've been a team that has previously had success signing older veterans that either have had injury issues or, you know, like you said, just kind of hanging on there. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I believed in that probably through more of the the late two thousands. I'm trying to remember some of the signings they had that went really, really well. Um, and I remember there were a few of them, but man, ever since then, they just seem to have had a lot of these deals go south. I mean, they did do it last year um, with, oh, why is that guy's name escaping me? He pitched for the Padres for a long time and he was really solid and then he got hurt. He came over and oh, had, had a solid um, season with them last year. Oh, crap. What was his name? Oh, Tyson Ross. Tyson Ross, thank you. And and so yeah, I mean they they've had some success. I feel like they haven't had as much over the last few years, but you know, a team in their market with where they're at, I will say that I wish other teams were more aggressive um, with those kinds of moves. I feel like there are a few teams out there that could um, definitely see value in a similar strategy. But <laughs> yeah, definitely some some veteran signings there that you first you're kind of like, eh, but Hey, you know, you, you try yep. to have some faith there, right? Yep. And there's some other faith moves. Um, so the angels got Matt Harvey, which I kind of like, cause if he keeps being consistent. So for those of you who don't know, you should know, but Harvey got traded to the reds halfway through last year and he was just on a steady decline, had some issues with the media and then quietly was pretty decent with the reds and people thought he was going to resign there. And he actually just re-signed with the Angels for, I think it was like $11 million. So I kind of like that signing for a team that had so many injuries at pitching. They they just need some bodies and some veterans. So I, I like that. It's a low-risk move. Yeah. And did you see since our, last, uh, our caller last week, Daniel Descalso, that's officially signed? Yes. That's true. Maybe our caller will call back in in a few minutes again and talk about that or whatever he wants to talk about. But, yeah. Also, I like that as a Cubs fan. He can play multiple positions. Granted, the, the average isn't quite there, but he fits right into what a Joe Madden player is playing. Like Lestella, he can play a couple positions. So I thought that was, wasn't bad. Yeah. Michael, Michael Brantley, Brantley signed with Houston. Yeah. That that was an interesting move. Um, I was I was a little surprised at first. I thought, my first thought was, holy crap, how do they afford him? Um and then I wrote, I was looking over this roster, and I was like, wow, you know, I kind of forgot how many players they used to have that aren't, you know, a part of their their team right now. You know, the World Series uh, team, there's there's several guys still here, but, you know, some of the, the bottom of the lineup especially is much weaker than at that time, and um, the bench is right. weaker than at that time. I would definitely say the starting rotation is weaker. So, you know, looking at this team – um, there's a couple of things that are really important about signing Brantley. I think the first thing is, wow, this is a right-handed lineup, <laughs> really right-handed Very lineup. True. And Brantley is left-handed bat. So he actually 
um, he'll he'll definitely be you know the fifth best hitter. It's it's looking like the top four of the lineup: Springer, Bergman, Altuve, and Correa. They're all right-handed, all great hitters, all better than Brantley, I would say, um, in one point. respect or another. So they'll probably keep that heavy right-handed lineup, uh, and then bring in Brantley for a little break. Um, but then you go back right more into two more right-handed hitters. Uh, and then Josh Reddick, who, you know, Josh Reddick had a, his time for sure, but, you know, not not the player he used to be, um, you know, as a left-handed bat. And then the, the, the Robinson Torinos, right now they have three guys projected who are right-handed bats on the bench, only one left-handed hitter on the bench. Um, yeah, I mean, even looking at the starting rotation, one lefty in the starting rotation and only one lefty in the bullpen right now. So, you know, the – the Astros are this interesting team right now of tons of powerful players, tons of, of star. I mean, why? I mean, look at their top four lineup. That's four all-stars right there. There's not a lot of teams that yep. can say they have four all-stars in their lineup. And then you yeah, still got Verlander Cole in their, in their yep. pitching. And they so did lose plus for Tommy John and then Keuchel's a free agent, but it'll be interesting. I would think they try to resign Keuchel, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't know what their payroll position is like right now, um, but I have a feeling Keiko's move. Personally, I think Keiko's moving on. There hasn't been a lot out there, but he seems to be taking other visits. And and honestly, at I think this he point, wants to be the guys, guy somewhere. Yeah, and and honestly, most guys who make it this long in a free agency, um, they're not going back to their team. So sorry if, uh, if you're a fan of a a team out there and you got a free agent that you're hoping to resigns with your team that was there last year. I mean, honestly, if, if <laughs> they haven't gone. signed yep. there yet, they're probably, they're probably gone. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't think of circumstance where they're not because most likely they already had these discussions no. before the off season started and didn't get anywhere. That's a good point. Um, there'll be other quick hitters we'll get to, but we do have a caller. Um, our favorite caller calls in every week. So here we go. Let's see what we got here. Hello, welcome to our show. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear, man. I just want to say I'm a big fan of the, the, the Brothers podcast. I, mean, I listen to you guys every week. I got a question. You guys talking about the White Sox tonight. What do you What do you think of a Baumgartner? I know a trade doesn't make sense now, but I mean he could be what John Lester was for the Cubs. Well, yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, there has been rumors talking that the Giants should trade him and either rebuild or decide what they want to do. But what do you think, Chris? Um, that would be very interesting. But I'm Garner to the White Sox. I'm not sure what the White Sox have that the San Francisco <laughs> Giants would want. Man, I look over the roster and I'm like... I think they have a good... Some good prospects, but I don't know any names. But we might actually cover them tomorrow, so maybe we could learn about what names they could trade for him. But I just, I just don't see the the Giants trading him right now. Maybe halfway through the year next year, but time will tell. It's a good question, and we thank you for listening to our show. We actually will be talking, covering the White Sox sometime this weekend in our next team preview. So thanks for calling, okay, my okay. friend. Thank- they think I had the wrong week, but thanks anyways. Thanks. No problem. Yeah, bye. <laughs> awesome. Love fans. Love having guests on the show. It's great. 
Um, so, Chris, we got about two minutes left to show. Uh, I think we're going to – we will cover the White Sox this weekend, so we could talk about some trade scenarios for Bumgarner. Some quick hitters. Um, Wilson Ramos signed a deal to catch for the Mets. Matt Adams went back to the Nationals. I like that. He has some power. Um, any other quick things you can mention, Chris, in a minute? No, I, I don't have anything quick. You know, I, I'm still looking over this White Sox. Man, like, a lot of moves I've liked over the years that they've made, some gambles that they've made that just haven't panned out the way that I think they hoped for. Um, exactly. It would be really interesting to think about some trade scenarios for Baumgartner. I, you know, he's been through some ups and some downs, and most of it's injury-related, and he's he's up there in age. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that a team – that is in contention is more likely for Bumgarner. Uh, I think that a team that's going to be looking to try to really either secure their spot in the playoffs or make a run in the playoffs or world series will throw something of that. The giants will find valuable. They're not a team that has ever tried to tank before and sink to the bottom. And, and so I'm not going to be looking for, no, and I and I, I just think they're going to be looking to fill holes in the roster if they do trade Bumgarner. And um, yep, I, I just don't see personally what the White Sox have. But you know, maybe as you kind of go through your uh, your review tomorrow night, yep. maybe you'll find something there. Yeah, and we'll cover that. So that'll be cool, guys. And we'll be back on tomorrow. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, man. Anytime. Take care.